Hello and welcome to the Going Up, Going Down podcast. And this week, we have the fourth instalment of the EFL Completed series, where we talk to players who have made their way up through all of the English football leagues and into the Premier League. My name is George Ellick and I'm joined by Ali Maxwell for this show. We very much enjoyed interviewing Hull, Bradford and general EFL legend Dean Windass last week. And this time around, we have another goal scorer responsible for an iconic playoff goal at Wembley. If you haven't signed up to The Athletic, you can do so now at theathletic.co.uk forward slash EFL pod. There you can get 90 days free access to all of the glorious written content and ad-free versions of The Athletic podcasts, including the four previous episodes of EFL Completed with Connor Harahan, Dave Edwards and Dean Windass. Yeah, absolutely. We are thrilled, delighted to have Simeon Jackson as our fourth guest in this series. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Simeon. No problem, no problem. A fascinating life, uh, just as well as a career to discuss. And in the spirit of the series, I think, a journey in the truest sense of the word from the very beginning, really. Um, Born in Jamaica, uh, but you moved to Canada aged three uh, and then from Canada to England aged 15. I'd like to know, was the purpose of, of those moves to chase the football dream or was that for reasons outside of football? Early on, it was it was more just for, you know, life opportunities um, early on. You know, uh, being born in Jamaica with, I had um, three other siblings at the time and, um, you know, schooling over there is, is a bit different. You know, everything you have to pay for and it was, you know, it was agreed that, you know, if I uh, moved to Canada, I'd have better opportunities, and and that did um, work out to be true. And and I did have a you know a great upbringing and a lot more opportunities, especially with football. Yeah, I got to the age where it started to get a bit serious, and you know, I, from young, I knew my dream was to to be a professional. And at fifteen, we uh, decided as a family to to ship me out over uh, over to England, and and it started from there, really. Unbelievable. So, so you moved to London, I think, age fifteen. Um, how did you how did you approach getting into football? You know, for, for someone who hasn't been in England for for the beginning of their life and probably hasn't got much of an idea of the the footballing, um, I guess, infrastructure or potentially the, just the environment. How did you go about yeah. getting your chance within the game? Um, to be honest, man, a lot of luck. A lot, a lot of luck. Um, even from from when I was in Canada, um, it was funny. My my aunt. So I grew up with my aunt and uncle, and my cousin, and my aunt was um, she worked at a um, um, nursing home, and she was looking after uh, one of the elderly. And funny enough, that their their carer that was um, dropping them off, um, he was. <laughs> He was an agent for um, for quite a few um, ex-players. So at the time, he was the agent for Paul Hall, Dion Burton, and um, a few other players in England. And he was English. And uh, my my aunt was just chatting away, you know, about her her sons, um, you know, and and how we were playing house league and how you know we were we were <laughs> she was you know praising us up to the hills. And uh, his name was Ed Abrook. And he said, all right, well, you know, I'll come and have a look. He didn't tell her anything that he was an agent or anything. He said, oh, I'll come and watch one of their games. And uh, next thing you know, he comes, watches a few games and says, um, yeah, I think you're a really good player. And, you know, I've got loads of contacts in England and I can, I'm sorting out a trial for you to go to Coventry City. And um, that was just like, what? <laughs> like, how, you know, what's the chances of um, of that? happening and and that was when I was 12 years old and um so from there you know I had my first opportunity to come out to England went on trial at Coventry and it just changed my whole world because I got to see and get a feel for what it was like and went to watch a few games and training I was in I actually got injured uh prior to the trip so I couldn't actually participate in the trial but they still you know took me in and you know Took, uh, allowed us to come watch a few games and stuff and that just showed me what it was like and from then I just said okay well if that's what it's like I'm just going to do anything in my power to get as near to that as possible. 
it, it seems like you had a lot of opportunities for trials, uh, but in terms of the, the first club that you properly joined, as far as I can tell, it's Rushton and Diamonds at 17. Um, yeah. Quite a different scene from London, dare I say it, quite different from Canada as well. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into sort of senior football uh, with Rushton and Diamonds. You, you did make yeah. your debut uh, in August 2004, but Rushton yeah. were having a tough time. It's, it's a club with a fascinating and quite short history, which we've got to do in depth on this podcast at some point. Yeah. But uh, at this time, they were struggling to stay afloat in League Two. And for a year or two, yeah. um, you know, they, they did actually end up going down to the conference. But it kind of feels like, and yes. we get this uh, with previous interviewees on this series, that sometimes a bit of bad luck for a club, maybe a relegation, can give an opportunity to a young player. That certainly seems to have been the case for you. 2006, 2007, Rushton are in the conference. Yep. Jackson is playing up front and you just start, yep. you just hit the ground running, right? Just banging in the goals at that yeah. stage. Yeah, as you say, man, it's just a contrast of emotions because you you come into a club in the youth team and every player who, you know, if you sign for a club from a young age, you just naturally love the club. Um and that was, you know, my first love um, for a club being in it day in, day out. And to see them, you know, struggle and get relegated, you're thinking, oh, man. Um, but yet it's giving you an opportunity because of that's what's happening. So you kind of obviously grab it with both hands and, and go out there and show what you can do. And, uh, yeah, as you say, that was just perfect timing in my career as well because of the age I was coming into and the opportunity that came up from, from being relegated. Um, was allowing me to to play week in week out. You scored consecutive hat tricks that season, and two thousand six, yes. two thousand seven, which is pretty unbelievable at any age, but especially still as a youngster. After mm -hmm. banging them in in two thousand six, two thousand seven, feels like there was yeah. quite a lot of interest. Presumably that summer, as is always the case, even still now, when someone yep. in non-league, a young striker, is scoring to that extent. And um, but you committed to to Rushton with a new contract in the summer. And then you scored 18 goals in the first half of the season. That there must have reached a point where you knew, like, I I'm gonna have to move on. Did did it feel like it was getting too easy? Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a case of being too easy. I was just, um, I was just in a in a in a good team that uh, was playing to my strengths. You know, I could I could play on the shoulder. I was playing off, you know, big target men, and I could just do what I do. Um, you know, just on the shoulder and, and sniff and get on the end of things and um just a really good form and I remember at the time I was really excited because it's like you know I've scored a couple of goals here you know I know there's a few clubs watching like surely I can get a move now um and the club were like look like you know we're offering you a new contract and you know you should sign it and if you don't sign it you probably won't play <laughs> and I was like crap um so I was kind of felt like I was backed into the corner a bit um but I remember one of the uh one of the older pros Chris Hope was so so helpful man and he just pulled me aside and started chat said look man like you know if you don't sign it you don't know what could happen but if you do sign it we know that you can go in and do what you can do and score a goal so you're better off doing that and and you know proving yourself again and I said I said yeah you know what you're right and um just sign sign the deal that was on the table hit the ground running again and um yeah by that christmas there there was a few clubs coming in and it was this worrying time because you know you're like well you know i've, I've gone out done the biz again you know hopefully this this move will come but throughout the time you, you're having to keep yourself grounded and try not to worry about that and think about that um and it, it did come through Gilliam came through on on deadline day and um yeah and just a, a whole new chapter came out from that who were the other clubs involved at that stage? Was Gillingham the first choice, the only choice? A £150,000 price tag? Like, how, how did that move come about? Yeah, so uh, I remember there was, it was about like a two-week process. There was there was rumours around and I was hearing stuff and there was, I think Peterborough were involved as well and I think maybe one other. Um, but Gillingham was kind of the, the main one showing interest and I remember having chats with the chairman and saying, look, what's happening? Like, you know, can I get my chance? Like, you know, I, and trying to plead your case because you, you desperately want it because you just don't know what's going to happen in the in the game, right? So you're like, look, there's an opportunity here. I, I want to go and prove myself in the league. And the chairman was like, look, Rick, unless the 
you know, the, the money's right, like, you won't go. And I was, like, thinking, oh, man, like, what's, how's this going to work? And you kind of stress out. But, um, yeah, Gillingham put the money up on, on the last day, and uh, and off, off I went. When I first moved to England, Gillingham was the first club I signed schoolboy forms with, and I was there training, playing games, and uh, I didn't get offered a scholarship, and then started to play non-league and, you know, kind of, scrap around trying to find a team and to, to play as, as often as I could and when the the Gillian move came about I remember speaking to, to Paul Scally the chairman I said uh, I said this is funny because you could add me for free but then now you have to pay money for me this must be a bit annoying and uh, he, he had a laugh and he said yeah um, and uh, yeah for me it was it's kind of like a another opportunity again it was like yeah like I'm gonna prove that you know you you know, you, you, uh, I should have stayed here or whatever. And I was just really excited because I knew, I knew the club, I knew the training ground, I knew everything because I was, you know, there um, as a schoolboy. So, yeah, it was, it, it, it felt right, it felt good, and I was really excited. And I just wanted to do really well for them. It's interesting to hear you say that because we spoke to Dean Windass last week, who was released from Hull before returning to the club. We spoke to Connor Harrahan, who who was let go from both Sunderland and Ipswich without turning out for them at all and, and it does seem like you know maybe getting that knock early on in your career gives you a determination which enables you to become the kind of character that can progress as your career did do oh it's massive it's so massive and when I speak to to, to younger players and, and kids now I just say look man you're gonna get maybe 10 no's before you get a yes so if you prepare yourself for that you know knowing that no matter what you hear what comes about you're just gonna keep going and you're just gonna keep you know um chasing it um you'll you'll get there in the end and and yeah that's you know you'll find that's a story for for loads of players um you know that have come up in our careers you know you get told no so many times before you actually get that yes your first season or half season i should say at Gillingham didn't go to plan uh, the club picked up just 14 points from the 18 games after you joined and suffered relegation that was the mm -hmm. second relegation of your short career so far how how difficult was that to take so short, you know, to happen so shortly after what was a dream move up into League One? Yeah, yeah. So so this is just the roller coaster of football, isn't it? Like, you know, uh, you get your move to League One from the conference, and you're excited, you're buzzing, you're playing, and then you just we just can't get it right as a team. Um, you know, we had a lot of new signings in that January when I came in, new manager, and. Um, yeah, we just couldn't get it right. Ended up getting relegated. And um, I remember, uh, football is amazing, man. Um, I remember <laughs> that game at Leeds away. And yeah. uh, I remember the build-up to it because we needed to win. And we're like, you know, to give ourselves any chance to, to stay up. And um, I remember I scored that game. and uh, But we ended up losing. And obviously Leeds were in the playoffs and, you know, chasing and... and Chasing promotion. And I remember the final whistle went and I just collapsed to the ground. Um, and I was about to sink into this heavy emotion of just thinking like, crap, man, like we've just been relegated. You know, I just got my move and the, all these things just about felt like it was about to come in. And Bradley Johnson came and picked me up straight away. Um, and he just scooped me up and well, I played against Brad, I knew Brad. Um, from youth team days when he was at Northampton, I was at Rushton. And um, we both kind of got moves around the same time into League One, or he went just before, I think. Yeah, he was there for, for that whole season. And um, he just picked me up and he said, like, pick your head up straight away. And I just remember that just click of emotions just saying, right, I'm not going to buy into that. I'm not going to buy into this, you know, down, relegated feel. Um, and it was a massive change for me. And uh, I never actually told Brad this. I might actually have a chat with him and bring this up. But that just changed my whole kind of energy because I remember going back on the coach thinking, right, all right, this hurts. Um, but now I have to work even harder. Um, I have to do more. I have to, I'm just starting to think about, about what I can do and what I need to do um, to kind of get to that position that Leeds were in because there's this celebration for them, you know, they clinch playoffs, definitely. Um, and there was just this vibe and I was like, right, I want to be at a club like this. I want to be playing for promotion. Um, 
and yeah, it just it just changed my whole outlook on on that experience. Whilst the the season obviously didn't end the way you wanted it to, uh, and you talk about the emotion there, the draining emotion of being relegated before Bradley Johnson yeah. literally picked you up. But from the outside mm-hmm. looking in at that season, the two thousand seven two thousand eight season, you started the campaign coming off the bench for Russian and Diamonds away at Woking. You finished yep. the season putting Gillingham one up at Ellen Road in front of 38,000 people. I don't know if you know this, but that was the record League One attendance until December 2018, where Sunderland wow. broke it. So wow, you know, in terms of a, of a personal journey, even though mm-hmm. it ended with relegation, there must have been a bittersweet sense where when you're putting Gillingham ahead at Ellen Road to give them a chance of staying up, you know that your career has taken a massive turn in those 12 months. Well, yeah, man. Yeah, like... Uh... I didn't even. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned that. I didn't. I didn't know any of those stats, man. Um, wow, you guys are bang on it. This is, <laughs> this is amazing. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I remember having a chat actually after that. Um, you know, thinking, okay, right, what do I need to do um, to, you know, next season, and how do I, how can I improve? And I remember sitting down with the gaffer, um, uh, Mark Simpson, and he said, "Look, yeah, you've been, we've been relegated, but you know, you're still." You still made a jump from Conference League One. You're still in a plus because you're going into League Two. So don't worry about it. Get your head down and, and hit the ground running next season. And I thought, okay, yeah, you know, it's not too bad. Um, I would, ideally, you'd love to have been in League One, but I'm in League Two. It might be a bit easier um, for me because now I've had the taste of League One and um, I've been away with internationals and I can I I feel confident I can go into League Two and, and, and nail it, um and and yeah that that's what happened. Yeah, it was a much much better season. Glad we can talk about it uh, yeah. in more positive terms. The next season, the 08-09 season, you finished the campaign as the top scorer in League Two alongside Grant Holt, someone you'd get to know pretty well later down the line. <laughs> but um, but in terms of that season, before we get onto the playoff drama, which we'll focus on, what are your overriding memories of the league campaign that season uh during um the promotion campaign um was just it just clicked um from day one we just kind of we knew what we wanted to achieve um we knew what we were going to do we knew how we wanted to play and it was just go out and do it now um we, we brought a few additions in and it just felt really good. Felt really good going in. Um, I had obviously uh, some really close, close relationships with you know. Um, well, Tyrone Berry came in, who who was at Russian with me for a bit when he came on loan from Crystal Palace, and, and you know, was a really really good friend of mine. And yeah, we just we just clicked as a team and, and knew how we how we were playing and just went into games just knowing how to win games. Um, and and it. it for me, obviously, it was, it was an amazing standout season. I don't think I've scored 20 goals since, to be honest. <laughs> so <laughs> Not many people yeah. do, to be fair. Yeah, so it, it was definitely a, an amazing season. Having experienced, you know, in just a few seasons, two relegations, when you realised during that campaign that you had a chance of, of putting, of wronging that right from the season before, how hungry were you to get a promotion, to get a, a positive accolade on your career in that season? Oh. It was it was the driving force. It was the one and only driving force. Um, for me, you know, on on a personal note, I, I just had my my daughter as well, so that was a, a big inspiration. And uh, it was, as you say, it's just knowing that okay, we're 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 gonna correct this now. Like we're gonna get back to the level that we were at because we know we belong there and we know we're good enough. So um, yeah, there was no doubt in your mind going into it. Um, yeah, there was just there was no doubt, and to to make it even more juicier was that we were playing against Shrewsbury, who battered us early in the season. So we didn't need any more. Uh, <laughs> if we needed any more icing on the cake, it was like, you know, there, it was all there for you. Well, before we get onto the playoff final, it was a pretty dramatic semi-final as well. Gillian finished fifth in the league and came up against Rochdale, uh, getting a nil-nil draw away from home. So getting the game back to Priestfield, all level. You opened the scoring only for Rochdale to peg it back to 1-0. And then in about the 58th minute, Gillingham win a penalty. And, I mean, your 
a young player at this at this stage. You know, you're still only what 21, 22, mm-hmm. and you are standing over a penalty in front of the Gillingham fans with about 20 minutes to go to send them to Wembley, and it is ice cool, Simeon. Just talk me through. You know, what are your mm-hmm. memories of... Because it was a long old wait you had as well. They kept you waiting. Yeah. What are your memories of standing over that penalty, knowing you had the chance to probably send Gillingham to Wembley? Man, I'll tell you, man, the, the build-up for the whole thing, there's there's just so many components to things. Like, when you start to get into them, like, you can just go on forever. Before that, you know, like, the whole season I was on pens and I had some that I missed, some that I scored. and But I just always had the confidence from the boys and from the gaffer to keep taking them and you know they they put their faith in me and I felt like you know though that weight on your shoulders was was what I thrived off and I, I was just so grateful um I just wanted to always you know do well and before that game we obviously we played Rochdale away and I didn't I didn't feel like I had the best game I was like ah, it was one of those sticky games like it was like a chess match and didn't really get on, you know, really impact the game as much as I wanted to. I remember my agent at the time, he's like, well, it was just round one. You know, you, you got in round two and you're at home now. So just, just go out and do what you know you can do. And just before we um, we stayed in a hotel, it was a home game, but we, we never really did that. But because it was the playoffs, we all, um, you know, the chairman, everything, everyone decided to, we're going to stay as, as a team the night before. And on the coach coming, I just remember before we got off the coach, all the boys, quite a few of the boys came up to me and were like, it's your day today. And that just, it just changed the whole thing for me. I was like, yeah, it actually is. Like, I'm going to make it happen today. And um, yeah, a few of the boys said that to me and just, you know, loads of encouragement from the family and stuff. And I remember it felt the same because we played um, Aston Villa at home in the FA Cup and it was still that, you know, we it was a familiar feel with the excitement of the game and, um, and I scored in that, in that game against Villa and, um, it just felt similar. And I remember going in and obviously the, uh, I remember the first goal, just kind of getting a cheek, cheeky little dink, trying to lift it over him and it went in and then you're just confident cause you've scored already. Um, but then obviously the pressure of that pen, you're just like, right, just stay cool. You know what you're doing, just execute. You know, once it, once it, you do execute it and it goes in, you just, you're just over the moon, man. On now then to the playoff final, which was against Shrewsbury. I mean, it's it's obviously a massive occasion for anyone to play at Wembley. You do feel like in in League One and League Two, players are aware that this could possibly be their only chance to play at one of the most famous, if not the most famous, stadium in world football. So, what was the run up like to that game for you? How did you feel about it? You know, how did the manager? The coaching staff, the chairman, all, all prepare you for that for that task. Oh, it was the the build up was just amazing. Um, there's just the annoying thing is that like there's a two there was a two week gap, wasn't there? So you know you're you're training for two weeks and just thinking right, I don't want to get injured, but I still have to maintain this certain level. Um, and it's really tricky. It's a really tricky time. But there's there's loads of excitement around and there's loads of press and hype and it's just amazing. Um, but you you kind of well not kind of you you can't get you can't buy into any of that. You just focus on the basics, which is just training, staying sharp, staying ready, preparing yourself. And um, we it's funny that, that as you, you talk about the chairman and the club, like it, the build up was just amazing. Like all the prep was good and. Uh, the chairman made sure that we we got to go and, and walk around the stadium and he was very adamant at the time about getting footage and he was just saying to us like look this this doesn't come around often like you know really relish this um, and he took we got to go to Wembley I think it was a day before or two days before and just walk around and we got to be kids I think Shrewsbury had it as well but we just walked around and, you know, just, just in awe of it uh, and took pictures and did all that stuff. And I remember walking around and thinking, right, this is this is amazing. Like, this is just unreal ground. But I'm not buying into any of this hype and excitement thing because I know I've, I've got work to do out here in a, in, in a couple of days. So um, I'm just going to 
yes, soak it up, but I'm not going to get too, too gassed over it. And, um, yeah. And, and I just remember just taking that in. So when we did come on the, on the day of the game and, you know, coming in the tunnel and all of that, it was like, right, we've been here before. Like, we know what it's like, uh, it's time to go to work now. And I think that was kind of the focus of just saying, look, don't let the occasion get to you. And for me, looking back now, it was amazing prep, <laughs> amazing preparation because, you know, even with, you know, going away with Canada and going to some of these amazing grounds um, and, you know, some of these countries, you're just like, wow. But to have Wembley under under your belt, it's like, well, you know, I I, I'm, I can do this. You know, I've, I've had this before. So, um, yeah, now the build-up was amazing. And then, obviously, the day of the game, you just just go into intense presence and focus and just try not to get swayed by anything else apart from the game. The, the game was billed as uh, a battle between two goal scorers at that level, yourself and Grant Holt. Even the, the programme for the day itself had a picture of the two of you next to each other. Little did you know that you'd go on to be strike partners at Norwich. But it was yourself, Simeon, who came out on top that day Josh Wright standing over a corner in the 90th minute, nil-nil, neither team able to break the other one down. And I must say, for a header from a corner, it is remarkable what you managed to put off, peeling off the back post, running back towards your own goal, finding yourself open just outside the six-yard box and managing to kind of, you talk about whipping your penalty, you, you almost had to whip the header in order to get it over the man at the, at the far post as well and just into the back of the net. A, a magnificent goal, you know, very lucky, I guess, to uh, to be able to score an injury time winner at Wembley in a playoff final. Just sum up to us the the feeling when you ran into that corner in front of the Gillingham fans. Whew. Um, yeah, uh, just we speaking about it. Just you know, I'm just getting flashbacks, and it was just massive relief, um, massive relief, and looking at it and thinking about it, like I've never done anything like that in my life, and I probably never do anything like that again um in terms of the whole um how i ex- how it how it got executed like it's just it was pure luck <laughs> like <laughs> dude, it was just pure luck man like i just remember before the corner coming in saying to myself right wherever the ball goes go and head it so just don't don't think just watch the ball wherever it goes head it and um my job was to be on the keeper and um I just said, right, I ended up obviously peeling off, coming away from my job as being on the goalkeeper, which could have played off wrong because who knows, it could have dropped there and I should have meant, should have been there and, you know, who knows what happened. But I just remember, yeah, just jumping up and, and just directing it. And, um, and then there was a moment where I was like, whoa, did it go in? Did it not go in? And checking the linesman in a split second and then, it's sinking in that yeah it did go in and that just relief man i have a picture of um of me kind of just jumping and i'm like in midair and just this expression of just you know just bliss man it was it was just brilliant <laughs> it was just brilliant harry's sponsors going up going down which is a podcast brought to you by the athletic harry's was founded by jeff and andy two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors Jeff and Andy knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And and now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close and comfortable shave, a weighted ergonomic handle, five precision-engineered blades, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Now, as a listener of Going Up, Going Down, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for just £3.95. Support this podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and travel blade cover, by going to harrys.com forward slash going up right now. That's harrys.com forward slash going up. I mean, you were 22 years old and you'd scored 20 goals in League Two. In the opening game of the League One campaign for Gillingham, you scored a hat-trick in a 5-0 win against mm. Swindon. Surely yeah. there were clubs sniffing around for to buy you at, at that point. W- was there ever a time you thought you were going to be leaving the club? 
at that time, no. Um, I was just so I was so happy and so um, so settled um, at the time. You know, just just getting promoted back in League One. Progressions happening. This is really good. Made my debut for Canada. Like this is just I'm just in bliss right now. So I didn't think about. Uh, yeah, I weren't really focused on on moving. Um, I remember, yeah, going into that game, first game of the season, I was like, right, I've just come off international duty here. Like, go and make something happen. Like, this is the season you need to make something happen now because you don't want to rest on your laurels. You don't want to go back to League Two. Like, kick on again. Um, and yeah, it's amazing to, to start off the season that way. Even though the season started well for you, um, you said you didn't want to return back to League Two, but that's what ended up happening. I mean, despite despite Gillingham keeping the crux of the team together, you know Andy Barcham, Curtis Weston, Barry Fuller, all key players in the promotion season. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, it it just didn't really go to plan. I mean, could you put your finger on what went wrong? I don't know, man. I think obviously there's not uh, not come. It was a, yeah, it was a massive come down. Obviously, getting relegated from after being promoted. But looking back on on the season, it was just it was weird. Like. We had a few new signs come in, and maybe there was a bit of, you know, overly confidence from the promotion, and just thinking, right, you know, we've been here before, we know what it's about, so, you know, we can we can maintain this. I think that's where it went wrong. It was just thinking, right, we're just gonna consolidate and you know try and stay in the league. And I think you know when you think like that, it, you set yourself up really. So your final game in the Gillingham shirt, Simeon. Couldn't really have gone worse. I'm sure it's one that you probably want to forget. Yeah. Uh, it was on final day that season, going away at Wickham. Wickham had already been relegated back to League Two. You needed yep. a result to stay up and ended up being beaten 3 0. And with other mm. results going against you, it was a third career relegation, a second in three seasons, and a second oh. for Gillingham as well. Um, I mean, if you look at the table now, 15th place, the Oval, with just three points ahead of you. So you came, ended up coming last, I guess, in such a tight relegation race. I mean, you must have known at the time that would likely be your last game for the club. How difficult was that to take? See, that's that's the thing. I didn't. I didn't think it was my last game for the club. Um, and that's, that's what made that one, it was such a sinker. Um, just for loads of reasons. Like, I remember going in because I'm, I'm, I'm so... I do a lot of visualizing. I do a lot of like mental work. I've always done just throughout my career. And I remember building up to that, just trying to do little things like not look at the, not look at the the league table and visualize us being in the safe zone and what we needed to do. And just kind of doing all the work leading up to that and knowing that it was going to come like, you know, same thing coming down to, to the last game. Then I didn't have the best of games either, and you're, you're fighting, but you're trying, you're overextending, trying really hard, and it was just a, a horrible day, man. And um, remember afterwards in the dressing room, it's just like, just looking at everyone's faces and thinking, right, I, you just don't know what's gonna happen next season. Some of you know, you might not. Loads of players are gonna leave, contract stuff, getting relegated. What what's gonna happen? Um. But a part of me was like, well, okay, you've been here before. What do you need to do now? And I said, okay, I'm just going to keep improving, looking at, you know, assessing my own game and, and what I need to do. And if it is League Two, I know what League Two is about. Um, and just get ready for that now. And uh, it was a weird summer. Um, and then, uh, and then there was there was talk about, you know, a few clubs being interested, and it was just this weird feels like shit, man. Like I've just got relegated, but I can get a move. And what about everyone else? And you know, I might be all right because I'm getting a move. But then it's just a weird feel, uh, in that you know when that happens. And um, and then yeah, I remember I went to uh to meet with with, with my. Gaffer Paul Lambert ended up. Um, we had a chat, and you know, he asked me a few questions, and um, I was like, "Yeah, you know," I just told him a bit about myself, and he asked me. Uh, he asked me a specific question. He asked me what happened, and, and when I there was, I went on a run where I wasn't scoring. He said, "What happened then?" And I was like, "Oh, this, this is like an interview here." <laughs> I was like, "I was like, oh, I need to make sure I get this right." 
uh, I can't remember what I said, but I was like, yeah, you know, just, I was, it was true. I was actually coming back from, from an injury and, um, yeah, I was just struggling to find form and, um, yeah, I, I didn't know what was going to come of it. Cause you know, it was one of a few that were interested and, um, and, uh, I remember my agent at the time, he was like, you know, uh, I think this is the right one, duh, 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 but we still need to wait and see if the clubs agree and, I went back to Canada in the summer and I was just waiting and just, oh, just thinking, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is it going to happen? And then we came back and then started preseason with Jules. Not sure it was going to happen. And then uh, I just remember one day at training, the, the gaffer called everyone in. Um, Hesse, Hesse and Tyler was a gaffer at the time. Called us in after, uh, halfway through the training session. He's like, right, Sim, they've accepted the bid. Just want to say thank you and get yourself off. And that was that was halfway through the training session. I thought, wow. It was just, um, yeah, a different kind of feeling. Fair to say, Simeon, that it was a good choice to join Norwich City uh, for, for your career <laughs> and a good choice uh, on their behalf as well. But this is a, a big change in terms of, of the level that you're playing at, the highest level so far in your career. And not only that, but this is a championship side. I've heard you say uh, with a manager in Paul Lambert who was dead set on promotion to the Premier yes. League. So yes. immediately you're at a high level and they want to get higher immediately. That, that must be quite mm -hmm. a lot to take in to start with. Oh man, like, so I've gone from setting up for, you know, going into preseason with Jills in League Two, where it's the emotions a bit different and coming off the back of relegation, to then going into a, a preseason camp in Germany where the first meeting I have is Paul Lambert saying, if you don't believe we're going to get promoted, there's a door. You can leave now. <laughs> I like the idea uh, that you might have been like, mm, I mean, you know, it's tough to get promoted. <laughs> well, you just, it's, it's, you don't have a choice. In that moment, you just make a decision. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Like, we're doing it. And you just get this excitement straight away. And, uh, and yeah, the, the boys are buzzing because they just got promoted and just an amazing uh, atmosphere and group, you know, just got welcomed in straight away. And, you know, there's this amazing team spirit and, it was just so good. It was a relief just to be a part of uh, something like that and just knowing from day one, like, this is where we're going. So, um, yeah. A big example of, of a, uh, I guess, a, a bit of man management that really works because we know that it can go the other way as well sometimes. Look, I mean, this was a, a brilliant team. It wasn't an amazing start to the season necessarily, yeah. but from November onwards, Norwich lost just three times uh, in the league, a well-oiled machine, but also <laughs> from a personal perspective, one that was quite hard to get a lot of minutes in because there was so much depth and quality. You know, what was it like trying to force your way in? You know, you were oh. fit and ready to play, but there's a lot of there's a lot of time spent waiting to come on uh, originally. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's um, it was an interesting time because I'm coming into a team where you've got likes of Chrissy Martin, Grant Holt, Wes Hulhan, like a front three that were just firing, like the amount of goals they got in between and me thinking like I'm not even going to try and compete with that all I'm going to do is just try and add to it like whereas before it was like you know you're kind of the main man and you know there's a bit more pressure on you it's like right I'm now part of a strike force that is just firing so I just have to do my bit and add to that um and yeah it required a lot of patience in the beginning and just, um, it was funny, I actually came across a, a stick, a uh, memory stick, and had a few of my first games from Norwich. I remember watching them and thinking, wow, you were you were rough in that those first few games, man. Like, you were just like, you're just a bit like, a bit of fear maybe, and just getting used to it, and you weren't you weren't really settled. And um, just looking at kind of just my, you know, growth as a player around that time. And uh, I just remember always saying to myself, even when I wasn't playing, I was like, look, you, as a striker, you, you're in a really lucky situation sometimes because, like, right, they've paid money for me, which means, like, I'm a big part of the plans. Um, I know I'm going to get my chance eventually because the gaffer's paying, you know, he's, he's got faith in me and, you know, he, he, he clearly brought me in, so I'm going to get my chance eventually. So you just make sure you're always ready and you just stay ready and just keep learning, keep improving. And I just remember saying... It just adds this feeling that like I'm supposed to do something really big here. I don't know what it is, 
but I just feel like my time is going to come at the right time. So I'm just going to carry on and just make sure I'm ready. And uh, that was my thought process from, from early on. But you might not have got the chance to do something special. I've, I've heard someone said that in January, someone in charge wanted to send you out on loan. That was it. That was it. So January came along and it was the right, it was, you know, the position at the time. It was, it was true because I, I wasn't really getting the minutes and, you know, maybe, and it, it was funny because it was, I now obviously play with uh, Craig Mikel Smith and, and that was who the, the swap was supposed to be. I think it was, I can't remember what the full details were, but yeah, it was supposed to, it was involved with um, Craig and I was like, I remember I was over the phone. There's two, there was one over the phone and, and one face to face. And I just remember saying to the gaffer and it was true because at the time he just made everyone believe that we were a part of it. And it was always like, because the way, just how he changed the team sometimes, and one week he'd play, one week he wouldn't, and then, you know, he'd throw you in at random times. So I just I just was honest. I was like, look, Gaffer, like, I've actually bought into everything we're doing here, and I just believe that when I get my chance, I'll take it. And uh, I don't want to go on loan. I, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, I want to stay here and fight for my chance and, you know, be a part of this. And uh, he said, okay, fine. And uh, it didn't happen. <laughs> and... And yeah, and I just kind of ended up having the, one it's, of the best experiences of my whole life. Yeah, it's awesome to hear an example of, you know, kind of, well, believing in yourself, but as you say, really buying into a project and being able to be honest with the, the man in charge and say, actually, I, I really I really don't think that's right. Because there'll be a, lot of, be a lot of people, I imagine, because of the, I guess, the sort of position of power that a manager is in, who, who might just sort of meekly go along with their plans, but, but not you, and, and, and you knew something would come. Uh, it did come. Before we get into that just unbelievable few months that you had, I've got to ask mm-hmm. about the old farm derby, uh, Norwich mm-hmm. against Ipswich, is, is one of our favourites in English football. Uh, and mm-hmm. that season, uh, he did the double over Ipswich, 4-1 in the first game, 5-1 in the second game. Uh, mm. I noticed watching highlights of, of, of your career that you're, you're sort of, you're an emotional person. You celebrate your goals properly. You, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're, you're not exactly meek on the pitch. So mm-hmm. were those games really perfect for you? What, what are your memories of those games? Yeah, man, like those games, every derby, a lot of derby games are, are amazing and the, the emotions immediately heightened. You you playing for all the marbles, and as a player, you just you just dive into it. Like you just dive into it, and um, you know how big it is for the for the Norwich fans, and obviously you know how big it is for the Ipswich fans. And you're just like, yeah, you're just gonna go out there and 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 do your best and and make sure that you're on the winning end of it. And like you say, it's just the passion and the emotion that comes with it, and you relish it. And um. Yeah, I remember the the first the first one at home was was obviously my first one, and I remember I was on the bench for that, and I remember Holty flying in for a tackle first like first minute. I was thinking, dude, you could have got sent off there. Like that, it's, it's high risk, but he set the tone, and from there you just knew we were gonna win. And uh, I mean, even when you're young, you always get told like if there's a challenge in the middle of the pitch even if you're a striker you go in for it because those moments change games and uh and that was in the first few minutes and Holt he absolutely lifted him <laughs> and uh and I just remember watching thinking, yeah we'll win now and we did we ended up going on to, to comfortably win in I love that in those games one of them you get five minutes off the bench you still find time to get booked and in the second game uh, you score in a 5-1 win so a, a good mm. good few moments for you there but it's a few months of just iconic moments um, I'll give the details you tell us what it felt like because that's what we okay. really want to hear heading into okay. April uh, things were, were pretty tight at the top of the division Norwich had just moved into an automatic promotion place heading into April but there were a, a few teams involved it looked like it would go down to the wire and at mm-hmm. this stage you've got you've got four league goals uh, as mentioned mm-hmm. quite a lot of time waiting to come on trying to make the difference at the end of games mm-hmm. then you score Simeon Jackson for Norwich nine goals in I think seven or eight games to secure mm-hmm. the promotion which includes a 20-minute hat-trick against Scunthorpe, 
Mm-hmm. All three goals in a 3-2 win against Derby with the winner in the 96th minute. And mm. then, of course, the goal, the iconic Norwich goal against Portsmouth, the winner at Fratton Park to send them up to the Premier League. Uh, as much as you can, give us the story of how that few months felt like to live. Oh, man. Um, first, just he- hearing it like how you're saying it up. I- you guys are amazing, man. I've never heard it like that before in my life. Like, I mean, I've been asked like questions like this, but the way you guys put it together is like it's just next level. Um, <laughs> mate, I uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm just so grateful. Um, first of all, because it didn't have to go that way. Um, but I just remember um, I. Went on a trip with Canada. We played, uh, we were in Turkey. I can't remember who we played. I think we played Belarus and someone else. And I just remember it was just an emotional time for me because I, um, I'd lost my uncle um, just before I got my move. And it was just, they're coming up to around that time and, you know, the family and everything. It's just a, a weird time. And, um, I just remember just some clarity just coming into me of what I needed to do just clearly in my mind of just scoring and just giving everything and um came back from that trip and the first game was against Scunthorpe and I remember um going in at halftime and I remember Cully in Cowhouse looked at me and I was just in the zone kind of thing because I'd seen what's happening in the game They've had a red card, and I'm like, right, I know I'm coming on. <laughs> and I know I need to score. So, like, there's just no doubt in what mm. needs to happen here. And I remember I just had this look in my eye, and I looked at Collie, and Collie looked at me, and he looked the same way. And he just gave me the nod. We didn't say anything. He just gave me the nod as if <laughs> to say, like, you know what you need to do. And, um, yeah, and I came out and came on, and I was just in this ruthless place. And around that time, that's just... What stands out for me, I was just ruthless. Um, and yeah, and it, it just, there was a momentum there. And even just with the team as well, like it was just so, just perfect. Um, we were just in form. We knew how, we knew everything about each other and the, how we played and what we needed to do and how we won games. And we just had this thing of always going to the last minute. And I just knew when I came on what I had to do. Um, if I was coming off the bench or if I started and yeah, it was just an amazing time, man. Like just looking back on it and and how it unfolded. Norwich fans are lucky, you know, listening to you talk about this team and and, and watching Mm. the highlights, remembering last season's promotion Mm -hmm. to the Premier League. They've had some iconic teams and promotion winners. Um, to get behind over the last decade or so. But um, I, I know that they were so supportive of you and that you've got a real affiliation with them. Um, yeah. In terms of that moment where you the final whistle blows at Fratton Park, you realise that, that Norwich will be a Premier League team and you know hopefully you will be a Premier League player. Most likely you will, uh, having mm. helped them, having scored those iconic goals. And we ask everyone this, do you remember a moment of reflection or is it just too chaotic at that stage? Do you think, given your journey from Jamaica to Canada to London to Rushton to Gillingham to Norwich, was there a moment where you soaked that all in and, and realised what it meant? Oh, man, like, I'm kind of doing it now because you're putting, you're putting put me under pressure, dude. Like, <laughs> was this meant to be emotional? Like, I thought this was just going to be, like, a couple questions and that's it. Um yeah, man. No, I'm like I said. I'm just extremely grateful, extremely lucky. Um, just oh, like thinking about it, looking back on it. Like, yeah, I've, I've always been a reflective person, and throughout the journey, just always looking at at the little wins and and just. I actually watched rewatched the game the other day because it was played on um, it was played on uh, Norwich's website the other day and. And I took it in for the first time, the full 90 minutes. And um, the back four were just tremendous. <laughs> like, Wardy, Elliot Ward, Zat Whitbread, like, they were colossal, those two, that game. And I never I never saw it like that before. I, I knew we all played well, but them two were just... The composure from Wardy and Zach, like, in a game like that, I was like, holy, man, like, 
really, really standout performances. And um, yeah, just just afterwards and the celebrations and you don't really get as much time to celebrate afterwards. I mean, reflect afterwards because everyone's celebrating and you know you're, you're doing a million things at once and we're trying to plan to get away as a team and it's just, it's just chaos. Uh, and I went straight into internationals as well just afterwards so you didn't really get a chance um in that moment to kind of have that reflective moment but I remember just before the season started and it actually hits and you're like whoa like this is this is the Premier League now like holy shit like you know you're kind of here um and yeah that that's when some of the reflectiveness comes in but you it doesn't even last that long because you're just on to the next thing and on to the next thing and you're just constantly getting prepared and ready the next thing was the Premier League. And it was just 15 months after that day at Adams Park where you know your Gillingham team lost 3-0 and were relegated to League mm-hmm. Two. You were making your Premier League debut coming off the mm. bench uh, against Stoke at Cairo Road. Fucking what? Yeah, exactly. What, I mean, what was it like? I mean, as somebody who, you know, I'm assuming watched the Premier League growing up in Canada where it felt mm. so far away, but also you know, the best that football had to offer. How did it feel finally becoming a Premier League player? Dude, I, 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 there's no words for it. <laughs> there's, there's no words for it because um, as a kid, watching your idols on TV, watching your Dwight Yorks, your Annie Coles, looking at Old Trafford, just, just, it's just a dream. It's a pipe dream. You're just like, you don't actually think you'll ever get there. And I remember being at Rushton, like, you, you toy with the idea. You're like, oh, like, I'd love to do it. Like, it'd be amazing. But then when you actually think about, like, well, how? Like, how, is that actually going to happen? Like, who knows? No, probably not. Um, but you still kind of just toy with the idea. You just toy with the idea. And I, I remember uh, there was one time, because I used to be called, they used to call me Busy Simbad at Rushton. Um, yeah, because I was just like, for me, I've come from Canada. I'm not following anyone else. I'm just here to work and work and work until I get into where I want to be. Because um, for me, when I first came, I thought, it's so like, everyone here is so lucky. Like you have this amazing league on your doorstep. These teams are all around you. Like I didn't, I didn't have none of this in, in Canada growing up. And now you're telling me there's environments where I can go and train every day and improve. I'm like, how is not every kid like, you know, killing themselves to do this? And um, I remember, my, yeah, my focus was just a bit different. Um, but as you say, like, I don't, you, you don't actually think you're ever going to do it. And then when it actually does happen and you're there and you're looking at the fixture list and, you, you know, you, you've come off the bench in your first game. And I'm just like, wow like thank you just thank you so much like and you, you don't actually think about all the other pieces because you're you're just in the moment you're just thinking about the next thing and the next thing but that you do have a, a a quick moment of just being like wow like that was that was pretty cool that was awesome an unbelievable achievement from that group of players at Norwich in the 2011-12 season finishing mm. in 12th place in the Premier League and just looking through you know, the team, the squad from that campaign. I mean, we'd already spoken mm. about how you'd cross paths with Grant Holt and Bradley Johnson, but mm. the story for all these guys, I mean, like you, there are people who'd worked their way up into this position, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's John Ruddy, Russell Martin, uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Bennett, um, you know, Johnny Howson, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Morrison, Anthony mm-hmm. Pilkington, all these guys following, you know, they, for them, it must have been a dream come true as well to be playing in the Premier League. So as a group, you know, in terms of your, fondest memories of your career how does yeah. that season stand it's it stand out it's just it just stands out because as you say like everyone in the dressing room had similar stories like we we knew we were just so humble with it and there was like there was no egos with it because we knew where we all came from so it was like and because you share that in a dressing room it's like the hunger's always there the passion's always there the the level's always there because you know what you could you know what what else is out there you know like when when you would when you speak to each other and you hear about each individual story of you know like me I, I when I first came here I, I worked at McDonald's and I was 
you know, playing non-league, Sunday league, like just scrapping around, just hoping that I was going to get in. And then, you know, you, you speak to an Elliot Bennett who was, you know, kind of at a, a big club from a young age, but also struggled and just, you know, came up through the leagues as well. And you can share with each other about promotions in lower leagues and playing non-league. And it's just, you just have this uh, amazing connection and, and um, respect for each other. And, and it, it ends up coming out on the pitch and, you know, you, you have these friendships for life, really. You've had some pretty dramatic final days of seasons. That campaign, the first Premier League campaign, was your first season in five where you hadn't experienced either a relegation or a promotion. Oh. But it was still it was still a pretty good one for you, getting on the score sheet, scoring the final Premier League goal of that season for Norwich in a 2-0 win against Aston Villa. Uh, I mean, you mentioned what, what you know everything from playing non-league to, to working at McDonald's and everything. Just... Uh, I guess I'm just trying to understand. You know, I'm trying to live it myself, just as somebody yeah. who, who came through all of that to be to be banging goals in the Premier League for for the team that you won promotion for the season before, and having to deal with the the heartbreak from just a couple of years before at Gillingham. It must have just mm. felt super special. Oh, it's just a it's just a roller coaster, man. <laughs> it's just like even, even when you're speaking, you're talking about it, like thinking about it and and reliving it. It's, it's an absolute roller coaster. And that season was, yeah, it was the first season that we weren't, like, we were playing to stay in the league, and I think we, we knew we were. Um, and it just felt completely different. I was like, oh, so this is what players feel like when they're actually, like, you're going into the last few months or the last month or so, and, you know, you, you're not completely stressed about relegation, and you're not fighting for anything. You just, you're actually just chilled out a bit. I was like, wow, this is a different kind of feel. Um and um, yeah, man. It, uh, as I say, it's just absolute roller coaster of emotions, just roller coasters of challenges and struggles on the pitch, off the pitch, and you're just so grateful when you actually look at, you know, the, just remembering being back in Canada and just watching it all on TV, and then actually coming out here and and doing it. Um, it's yeah, man. I, I can't put that into words. It was a pretty iconic era of the Premier League, that as well with. You know, Arsene Wenger, Sir Alex Ferguson, all these absolute legends of the mm. game. Do you have any memories or any stories you can tell us from your, from kind of these, I guess, these, these times you came to get up against such giants? Yeah, I mean, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's just, it's just loads, just because you, um, you go from idolising these group of people to playing against them. And then it's like you try and draw this line between like, holy crap, that's so and so, to now nah, like I'm I've got a job to do. We need to win. I need to make sure I'm at my best. I'm preparing, and you kind of grow into this different kind of species to try and compete and match. When really you're just looking and going, holy crap, that's Frank Lampard warming up on the touch time beside me, and you're just like. You're like, he's massive. Like, I didn't even know he was that big. Um, so you just have loads of moments where you just caught between being this this kid and then this this competitive sportsman that wants to go out and win. So, um, yeah, there's, there's loads of those moments, man. So many of them. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com slash going and pay the postage of £4.95. And if that wasn't enough, as a listener of The Athletic Podcasts, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver you a case with a different theme. So far, themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands. 
Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, and a beery snack is chucked in too. Just go to beer52.com forward slash going to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, going up, going down listeners, get two extra free beers. So we're just going to finish off just by asking you a few questions where you just got to answer very simply. We, we don't need too long an answer, although if there's a story yeah. to go with it, we're not, we're not going to say no. So first up, who was the best player that you played against? The one that stands up for me, I say it all the time, is Sebastian Veron, just because I don't think the guy broke a sweat or and like just made the game look so easy. Um, and to me, that's I love that. I love when a player just it just looks effortless. And that's how that's how we he played in that game that we played against him. So for me, he just always stands out as the best. Who is the best player that you played with? Uh, it's joint between Atiba Hutchinson and Wes Houlihan. Good. I'm sure lots of Norwich fans are delighted to hear you say Wes there. Uh, yeah. Who um, who's the best manager you played under? Uh, best manager for me was Paul Lambert. Best team you played against? Best team played against... Oh, man. Do you know what? Uh, that Man City team, Um, when we got dinked 5-0 at their place, I, I yeah, can't they, remember, they it was 5 or 6. Oh, man, like, they were just... Oh, yeah, that was a, a punish. We took a punishment that day. And, yeah, they just, <laughs> they just oozed everything of, of just football and how to play the game it was just amazing okay this is a tough one i reckon which set of fans have you loved the most oh can't you can't ask that <laughs> um no the norwich fans man they just yeah they're just amazing um and as you say they're just amazing group of fans and they've been so lucky to have so many promotions and and you know success over the last years and and they just relish it and you know, I think they, they deserve it as well. So, yeah. Favourite moment of your career? Favourite moment? Oh, man. Um, scoring my first Premier League goal. That's always going to stand out because to me that was like, yeah, it was just, you know, like icing on the cake um, just with the journey. So, definitely. That one was uh, away at Wolves, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, away at Wolves, yeah. Um, and then, biggest regret of your career, if you have one? Um, oh, this one still niggles me to this day, but I, I don't... Reg- if if there's any been close to regret, it... Oh. See, I, I, I enjoyed my time in Germany, and I, I'm so grateful for the experience, because getting to go out there and... Um, and get a taste for the Bundesliga and all that. But I had a chance to sign for Bournemouth um, at the time. And uh, yeah, obviously looking to go on to see what, you know, how they, how that played out and what could have been, um, would have been amazing. But um, if there is any, no, I can't say, it's not regret because I enjoyed Germany, but it, it's, it's close. Not signing for Bournemouth <laughs> is close. <laughs> So the question is more closest thing to a regret. Yeah, closest thing to a regret. Yeah, yeah, I would have been not signing for and more. Yeah. Final one from me before Ali just finishes it off. If you could go back and relive just one season of your career, which one would you choose? Be the promotion of Norwich. Yeah, I'd relive that again. Definitely relive that again. Uh, before we let you go, Simeon, we've been so yeah. grateful for, for all of your time and, and the stories, the memories. It's been oh, amazing. Thank you, guys, um, you said earlier, I think maybe before we started recording, that, that everything is part of your journey and part of your story. Um, yeah. We've probably covered you know, the rise um, as, as we do on this series from yeah. League Two, or in your case, the conference to the Premier League. And it probably yes. took eight or nine seasons. Uh, there's yes. actually been about eight or nine seasons since that point as well. Just a, yeah. one, one question on... On post Norwich and post uh, Premier League football, uh, ten mm-hmm. teams you've played for in eight seasons. Yeah. Um, how do you reflect on on what certainly on paper appears to have been like quite a difficult period, having had such a busy start to your career and, and such a tough journey to the top of the game? Man, it's it's the full roller coaster of what a career is about. 
and the full realism of of how it can actually be of like you know as you say eight nine years and even more of that prior in the build-up from when you're young to finally getting to this to this pinnacle this height and then you know the last seven eight years or so as well of just a decline almost um and the 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 lessons and the the journey in that and it's just a, a full picture of of what i guess anything in life's about you know and and it's just how you how you deal with that and how you adapt and the lessons you learn and just constantly trying to be better and improve and um yeah it's 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 not easy you know the the journey up and, and also you know the 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 decline down sometimes is like it, it's it's um it's part and parcel but it's also um it makes you uh, that's what i can say it, it just makes you as a person and you're i feel so much stronger from it from from all the the ups and downs and challenges of it and you know hopefully be able to to help people understand maybe their own journeys and 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 what it takes and what it's like there are a lot of professional footballers who don't experience three clubs that that suit you as much as it seems like from your stories Rushton and Diamonds mm. and then Gillingham and, and then Norwich did and it just mm-hmm. so happens they were kind of front-loaded in your career I suppose um mm-hmm. it's, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure at Simeon Jackson thank you so much for joining us on this podcast no thank you guys it's, it's been amazing man I appreciate it Absolutely. Well, we wish you all the best and thank you for listening, guys. Uh, We really hope that you're enjoying this series as much as we are. First with Connor Harahan, then Dave Edwards, Dean Windass, and now Simeon. Just four amazing stories and different journeys and and just told with with so much detail. And and it's just so lucky for us to to get to listen to that. So please do listen to those former episodes uh, if you haven't already. Make sure you're subscribed to the Going Up, Going Down podcast. The Athletic has tons of other podcasts all for free on any podcast platform but ad free on the athletic site and if you haven't signed up to the athletic we'll do so today by heading to theathletic.co.uk forward slash efl pod that's efl pod you'll get a 90 day free trial so you can give it a good go and make sure you understand what it's all about we thank you very much we'll make sure we'll be back next week there might be some big news in the efl world by then thanks so much for listening